You're gonna feel the power It's gonna turn it on Interpret your dreams Just wait and see The dream company The dream company The dream company The dream company Hi everyone and welcome to The Dream Company. This is episode 10. And I'm gonna start things off today and first let me tell the listeners that I have been dealing with chronic back pain for a number of years and at that time I was having a really uh, bad upsurge of it you know the worst I can remember in quite a while so in that state I went to bed that night and I asked my teacher the mother for some insight into the back pain you know why is this first happening? off the back pain is this you what by chronic you're describing constant pain constant, 24 yeah. 7 right yeah, well, when I lay down, it's usually okay, but anytime when I'm up or around or sitting. So, but that doesn't always define chronics, and, but in my case, it's like that. So, that night, I had two dreams. Neither one of them involved the mother, but I do feel like they were showing me the answer I was asking for. The first one, I was looking at some comic books, and there was one of the X-Men that had Magneto on the cover, and Wolverine was on the cover, too, in the corner, but kind of small. And the words on it, Exit Wolverine, were on the cover. And inside the book, there was a part where Magneto knocked Wolverine down from a height. And there was also a G.I. Joe comic book that I was looking at. And in the second dream, it was about the show Star Trek Discovery. And it was similar to what happened at the end of the season. At the end of the season, I was an observer on the ship. I wasn't a character, I don't believe. And the bridge crew were talking to the aliens. They were in a wormhole, like a blue wormhole. You could see on the screen, on the view screen of the ship, that they were in this blue kind of tunnel. And the aliens were saying that they couldn't get them all the way back to Earth. They could only get them part of the way there. But where they were going to drop them off, there was an alien race there that had gone to... They had basically eliminated male aggression. They were completely against male aggression. So when the ship came out of the wormhole, these aliens immediately boarded the ship and started taking the male passengers and officers off the ship. So I took that as just basically that's what I have to work on is male aggression in all its forms. Well, before we go into the interpretation of those two dreams, which seem to be showing the same thing from different perspectives, you have written about this before. Why are you dreaming of comic books and the X-Men and uh, Star Trek? Well, I, part of it is because you dream about what you like, but, you know, it's just, it uses the same kind of mythos. Like if I'd been born in ancient Greece, I'd be dreaming about Zeus and Apollo. You know, but because I'm born in this day and age and because of the things that I like, I dream about Star Wars and Star Trek and Avengers. You were a big comic book fan when you were a kid. Right? Yes. You have a, a yeah a nice collection yeah. back in the States. But like Mattoon, for example, you know, I didn't grow up in the Ben 10 era, but <laughs> Mattoon did. So he dreams about Ben 10. Yeah. So it's just a, what we call the modern mythos, you know, the dream maker using the modern mythos and things that we're familiar with in today's day and age to as symbols. Okay, well, you, you were beginning to interpret it. Uh, you were talking about male aggression. In the first dream, you have two characters. You have Magneto and, and you have Wolverine. What do you think they represent? Well, Magneto himself is in kind of an anti-hero. He's not quite the same as some of the other, like, 
villains. He's more, he's an idealist, even though he's a villain. And at, at one point in the comic book, he actually was an X-Men. He changed his ways for a while. What's his big characteristic? What do you think it was representing to you to see? Well, maybe just his power, like magnetism, maybe the hold that Wolverine, which might represent the animal, aggression, because Wolverine has a trouble controlling his aggression, you know, that attraction it has over me, uh-huh. that magnetism. Right. So you have the dichotomy. In the comic book, it was Magneto that was vanquishing Wolverine. Right. And in the second dream, it's using the Star Trek symbolism. Now, what was your place in the dream? What were you doing? I was just observing. I don't think I ever had a character that I was in the dream. That- okay, well, that's interesting. You're being shown a scenario from yeah. two different perspectives. The first dream, it's not quite clear, but you can see that, oh, wow, there's something about Wolverine that's really not cool and it's representing something in you. That basically your mental being are, is kind of like getting rid of. Yeah, because Magneto is very mental. He's more like an Asherah than like a, you know, a, a demon, you might say. Yes. As you pointed out earlier today. And, you know, that might also represent the part of me, you know, like I said, that's under the influence of the aggression that is attracted to it. Okay, so in the second dream, the what Wolverine is representing becomes much clearer and that's male aggression male aggression okay well how do we relate this to your back pain your chronic pain well i just it's if you read about chronic back pain online a lot of people have the conception that it's about repressed anger repressed rage and i think there's some truth to that but you know what i tend to do is sometimes i express it outwardly but a lot of times it's just something i mull over in my mind with aggressive thoughts Um, or unfriendly thoughts, or if I'm not in the right mood, if anybody walks in the door like wanting something, my first response is to put up a wall, like inwardly speaking. You feel kind of make a little bit aggressive? Yeah, like go away. Well, there is, it's called a theory, but I really feel it's fact, that when we have a thought, and that the thought is about moving our arms to do something or moving our legs, whether we do things, those things or not, those thoughts go to those muscles or thereabouts. And they cause tension or perhaps chronic pain. But the signals are still going. If you're having a fantasy of beating someone up or getting revenge and you're moving your body in that fantasy, well, there's a pretty good chance that your body is actually being stimulated on a very basic level. And those commands are going to the muscles, not quite as commands to move, but it's involving the body. It's not just something in the mind is what I'm trying to say. Right. And so uh, male aggression, and that's a pretty big subject. We talk around a lot around here about the male ego, the dominant male animal ego. Yeah. Because we deal with it. We have young men. And we house. deal with it in ourselves. And we deal also. with it in ourselves. You and I are two males. <laughs> and so the conflicts and the competition and these things arise, feelings of aggression and all of those things. And so it's interesting. It's not quite enough to like, put your hands on, but I would feel it's only one aspect of the whole thing that is causing the chronic pain. But it's the aspect that your dream maker, in this case, I feel it was the mother's influence, was showing you what to work on now. Yeah, well, the aliens in the show, which, you know, it's also the same kind of aliens in my dream, are a vastly superior species technologically. So you could look at that as divine forces and the ship of myself, the ship of my being. Yes, I would agree. And what, the, Now, the wormhole is interesting. What do you think it represents? Where were you going? Well, in the dream, I was supposed to be going back to Earth. I'd been where the aliens were, and I was going back to Earth. So maybe, I don't know, maybe in the night something I don't remember. Like, maybe there was some contact with the mother, or 
that's just throwing out a guess. Okay, no, yeah, that one's up in the air. It's kind of hard to say what the journey represents. I can't say it this yeah, time. But it wasn't complete, but it ended at this other spot where, and you know, the aliens, like immediately, as soon as the ship appeared, the aliens like came on board the ship and started removing the male crewmen. Okay, well, here's a possible interpretation. Maybe home is representative of something to do with realization right. or enlightenment, right. something like that. And you're on the way there. Right. And you're kind of going through a wormhole. You're using sadhana or yoga, which accelerates the process of evolution. And so you haven't made the journey yet. You're right there at the place where the male aggression has to be removed. Right. And it's interesting that it's being removed by the aliens. They're just taking the males off the ship. Right. So maybe there was something like this occurring within you. It's not just something that right, just you're left alone with your willpower here. There's divine help. Right. There are on. forces at play aiding the endeavor. Okay. Well, uh, anyway. I think uh, I, I can't think of anything else I need to cover there. Can you? No, no. I think it's pretty clear the meanings of those dreams, especially in light of the guidance that you ask. You've had a relationship with the Mother and Sherabindo for many years. And so, you know, it is also another example of the way that they teach us and that they're listening. Uh, Matun. Yes, now we pass the baton to Matun. Matun, yes. The first citizens of the nation. <laughs> so, a representative type. Anyway, I had a dream that I remember from day before yesterday in which I was in this strange type of dream in which everything was not just so dark but also completely black that you can badly even see things move. I was about to go on a journey and then a voice of a woman from little above and behind me that told me that the path I am yet to take is the deep jungle and you need this, she said. And as she said, you need this, she gave me a long sword. Long sword? Yeah. Sword. sword, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, sword. Yeah, so that I can cut through the jungle. Was it also black? Yeah, everything was black. Everything yeah, was black, basically. including yeah. you. Yeah, including now, so. describe the quality of the color black. Was it also something in the substance of light itself? Yes, I would say there was no light at all. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, there was something weird about yeah, this. Everything yeah. was not just painted black, yeah, is what yeah. I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. There was something Not just dark of night without sun or anything. Like, it was just completely dark. It was something this was a really like weird a, kind yeah. of black. Okay. Like, but you could still make things out, though. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah I couldn't see it. That's, that's why this voice gave me this sword to cut through the jungle because I'm not able to see the path that I'm in, but I'm going to go through this jungle, but I have to have some tool okay. to make sure I'm protected. Okay, is that the end of the dream? Yes, that's it. That's the, the end of dream. your memory of yeah. the dream. Yeah. For us, we'll say this from now on. Well, that is the end of my memory of the dream, or <laughs> yeah. I awoke. Uh, what do you make of that dream? I think it was some dark part of myself like my vital or something that I had to work on and something that was given to me as a tool to work on that like a willpower or like the sword may a sword is a very symbolic symbol it is a I don't know uh, it yeah. is you can almost call it a divine instrument that you can use to vanquish or defeat or whatever you want to call it the darkness or even the darker parts of yourself now, it's very symbolic, and if you're given a sword, this it was a woman, right? Yeah. And was she black? I, I okay, you don't have wife. any memory of her. Yeah. Okay. Was, she was a, I mean, I We're not racist here on the dream company. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, well, at least not consciously. I mean, you know, there are racial feelings in all no, of us. It's fine that, if it was a black woman. Okay. okay. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Anyway, yeah, from, what, from what I feel, she's some kind of divine force, and you're being given a sword. Now, you mentioned some black part of yourself. Okay. 
first of all, when it's talking about the jungle, or like a deep jungle, we're speaking about the vital part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as I've explained in other podcasts, in our yoga, there's not just the mind and the body, but there's the mind, the body, and the intermediary between the two, which is the life, where the life force is, the impulses, desires, those sorts of things. We call it the vital in our yoga, represented often by jungle and forests. And so there's some part of your vital mm -hmm. that you're just becoming conscious of. It's still in the darkness, mm -hmm. but you're given a sword, a divine instrument to go in there and bring the light down in there. Mm -hmm. And Savitri talks about searching ourselves with spiritual fire and to go into these nooks and crannies of ourselves and bring the light there. Because if there is one corner of ourselves that's still in darkness, it can be a base mm -hmm. that can come back. And it'll be like a seed that will regrow, regenerate, and come back and take over. Now, you are a very sattvic person, one of the gunas. Uh, sattvic means of being a light, goodness, uh, balance, enlightenment, those sorts of things. The gunas of... The gunas, 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 gunas. The goonies. <laughs> the uh, sattvic nature. And you were telling me that not long ago, we were teaching Natish acting for his YouTube channel, He's acting out poems. Mm -hmm. And so we all got together and we did anger and rage and jealousy and fear and screaming and off the top of our lungs. And that had an effect. What effect did those things have on you? Even before that, I took this acting class, right? Yeah, you took yeah, an back acting then class. You didn't, I was afraid that I may bring back the anger, but it didn't happen at the time. But when oh. we started doing it, a couple of days after I started getting irritated by things, I would usually wouldn't be even irritated about. Right. It so, was something I have told you since you were young, that the anger was there, you just haven't found it yet. Mm -hmm. And so when you did these acting exercises and things, it started to bring it to the surface. And you can't work on it unless you see it. But anyway, whatever it is in your vital, if it's the irritation, the anger that you brought to the surface from acting exercises or whatever it is, it is a part of the vital that you're yet unconscious of. That's what it means by, that's what the black color means, unconsciousness. Mm -hmm. And you are becoming conscious. Mm -hmm. And you're, the first thing you're doing is you're making a pathway through. It's a very thick jungle, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's a good dream. It's a very good process dream. And I think one of the keys of interpreting, which is difficult, is, okay, what part of my vital is this? Where is this at in me? And how does it manifest in behavior? And we have some clues because of events and things that had happened in the preceding couple of months. And in regards to you becoming more conscious of the uh, rajistic part of yourself, uh, the ganas of rajas, right? Okay. Well, now I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago of a line of poetry that I got from my muse, muse is inner voice and vision, that the stars in the sky edit our dreams. Now, we're trying to give a picture of interpretation of dreams, and we are proposing that there is something within us that is more conscious than we are and more intelligent. And that something within us, or some things, or, or some bodies, are putting together our dreams, editing them, whatever... It is a complicated process that we have yet to really discuss in any great, any detail. But we've talked about the role of the hostile powers in dreams and briefly talked about the role of the cosmic gods. They, they come and help us. In Douglas's dream, for example, the mother's not a cosmic god, but she's a divine being within our cosmos. And they have a lot to do with uncling us along and helping us along. Well, I have an example of uh, a rather clear example, but it's kind of strange at the same time. 
I have mentioned that I spent about three and a half years, doesn't sound like a long time, but it was quite adequate for what I needed, just doing nothing else but opening the inner consciousness and going to try to find, to try to touch bottom in myself, to try to touch top in myself. How far do you go inside? How far do we go? Do we go into other people's consciousness? These are questions that I wanted to answer, and I was fortunate enough to have lucidity every night. And during those days, I was wide open because I had had an experience of a um, very spiritual experience, you might say, and I had seen divine form. It had opened my sight and opened my consciousness. And so I uh, first panicked after that experience, and you know, I just thought I was going to lose my mind, and then I decided just to go for it. So I returned back to the university, the University of Houston, and I began studying classical Greek and um, looking at the ancient Greece and the origin of atomic theory, for God's sakes. It was interesting. I didn't go into religious or spiritual studies. I was after knowledge. Anyway, during that time, I quickly let go of my dissertation, and I was just studying classical Greek, Attic and Homeric Greek, and that really kept me focused. It's a very difficult language to learn, and, or translate, I guess. And so I just delved into my inner consciousness. And, I mean, like, did nothing else. I had a job as a concierge and valet at night, and I had I cur curtailed my social relationships just to my mother and best friend, I think I had mentioned in the past. Anyways, during that time that this dream happened, and this experience, consequence experience, well, this experience that happened afterwards, I was in Galveston, Texas one night, and I was learning about the stars, you know, trying to identify the stars. And I got interested in the Pleiades, a very beautiful star system. I hadn't seen any pictures of them or anything. And, but I had read about them or something like that. And I saw their configuration, the seven sisters up in the night sky. And so I went to a, a beach in Galveston. It was a beach that I'd been going on since birth. It's a little stretch of beach that, uh, as far as I know, I hadn't been into the state since 1999 and hadn't visited that beach. It was still, cars were still allowed on it, and there hadn't been much change on it in my entire life. And I looked up into the sky, and I saw, for the first time, the, the Pleiades, very dimly. I think you follow them from Orion's belt, you know? And I, wow, that was my first, like, conscious identifying the Pleiades and starting to identify stars, and I just, you know? And so then I went home, and that night, I was dreaming. I became lucid, and I was on the beach, the same beach that I had been on earlier, hours earlier. And I looked up into the sky, and I saw the Seven Sisters. I saw the Pleiades much clearer than I had, of course, on the beach. And then I was immediately taken up. I mean, a force lifted me up, and I began shooting like a rocket towards the Pleiades. And the intensity was amazing. The feeling was just pure ecstasy at the same time. And as I got into the Earth's atmosphere, I just disintegrated and woke up. Now, I've learned later that that's a threshold, the, the Earth, when I've tried an out-of-body experience to go to the moon before, and the same kinds of thing happened. I might explain that later. Anyway, that wasn't the end of it. Uh, I felt that, wow, there is something going on with the Pleiades. Well, I, I had no idea what. And I lived in the museum district of, uh, down, of Houston, and I, I did a daily walk of a few miles, and I would always go through the Museum of Natural Science. And almost daily, not daily, but almost daily during that time, I checked, I would go into the gift shop and look at the posters that they have of animals and stars and things like that. And I had been doing that for oh, two or three months. And uh, I don't think it was the very next day, but I think it was the day after that I went, did my walk. And I hadn't done it the day before. And uh, I went to the gift shop and I looked through the posters 
and there was a poster of the Pleiades. And it's a very beautiful poster. You can see it online. It's just type in Pleiades, and it's a very blue field. And so, of course, I bought that poster and put it up in my room, and I kept it for years, even on my travels. Now, I can speculate here on what it is that the Pleiades are. I feel it's probably a place in our universe that's been spiritualized. And a lot of the religions on this earth have been founded from the Pleiades. Now, I remember at the time when I was having these speculations, I said, oh, wow, I didn't know matter was touching. And then my muse said, you don't. The relationship of the mental plane with matter is, I can't, I don't even know. But that those are physical locations within our universe. And so something is going on with the Pleiades. And my, well, I've told you how I speculate that. But there's a physical location in our universe. I don't know all the cosmic gods, most of the cosmic gods, some of the cosmic gods and divine beings are there. And they communicate with us. And they have the ability to manipulate circumstance, probably in a much more fundamental way than the hostile powers do. And so that whole thing about even the, the dream, you know, the power I had to lift up into the sky towards the Pleiades, uh, was probably guided by deities from the Pleiades. And of course, the placement of that poster, there had never been a poster of the Pleiades before, the first time I saw it. And so that was arranged. And what that did was, it gave me more than belief. It gave me faith and a little bit of knowledge. When many things like that happen, many things, doubt kind of like goes more towards the back seat. And you know that we are guided and cared for by beings far, far more beyond our comprehension. And so when I say, or my muse says, the stars in the sky edit our dreams, literally, they do. They have a part in our dreams. And in the future time, we'll start talking about what the dream reflex is and what makes up a dream. But I think for today, that's enough. And yeah. if anybody has anything? No. Nope. Me too. Okay. Well, goodbye, everybody. All goodbye. right. See you next time, everyone.